welcome back to another week of Tales from the Tailgate. A very special week here as we welcome back in a very important fourth member of the crew. And before we even get started, I just want to let you all know we've been promising it for a few weeks. Back from the dead is Mr. Auburn Matt. Auburn Matt wearing a Michigan State hat right now. Coming off a, a very long illness and uh, a very uh, little bit of a boring off season. But Oliver Matt, it's great to have you back. Uh, also joined by Bo Parker and Alex Christian. My name is Rob Christian, but most of all, Auburn Matt, how are you feeling most of all? And welcome back. I'm feeling about 100% now. I was in bed for like 10 days. Pretty awful. Not even codeine cough syrup stopped me from coughing. I coughed like I had tuberculosis. So, yeah, if you uh, stay away from the Delta variant, wash your hands and uh, try to social distance some. So. All good. I don't think we have a problem with that here. Even before COVID, I don't really want to be near anybody. Unless it's at a tailgate event. Bo and Alex, how are you all doing this week? Great, man. That's it. Just great. You're still off the Peloton. You're looking great. Haven't put the weight back on just yet. Looking relaxed still. Working on it, though. You were a little lucky, though. You you could have been on the Peloton for the next four years if we didn't win the gold medal, like, just by one. (laughs) I was was highly concerned about that. But but I will will say one thing, one great, my rose for the week. The, I got a new popcorn recipe. I found this, like, special oil that's got butter in it, and it, like, infuses the butter into the popcorn. I'll, I'll tweet it or something, and then and then all the followers can get it. It's this stuff is good. Yeah, you'll definitely you'll definitely have to review that because do you think it'll be better than the movie theater butter that you put on top of yes. popcorn? Yeah. It's better. Oh, it is better. Absolutely. So you've already tried it. Absolutely. I it's like what I eat for dinner now. That's a little sad, but okay. At least you're getting your <laughs> at least you're getting your fill of butter. At least that part of Mississippi is still in you. If you're just you're just cooking everything in butter now, well, at least all of your corn. Alex, how about you? I'm doing all right. How much uh, butter are you consuming per day? Uh, much less than Bo, apparently. Although I am taking the lead in Cuban sandwiches consumed a week, so I, I'm okay with that trade off for right now. And that's one thing I miss about. What is it, Central and South Florida, the Cuban sandwiches? I think Tampa does a better Cuban sandwich than Miami, but I'll probably get crazy yeah. for that one. Yeah, I just I knew that was coming. <laughs> Although they, they do, they do a really good Cuban sandwich. I mean, the Cuban sandwich comes from Tampa, though, so they I know, do but, it the best. Yeah, but should be us. You can get a Cuban sandwich at almost every grocery store in South Florida. I bet around Tampa, too. I just got back from Colorado. My one baseball moment of uh, of this show will be, it was awesome to go out and see Coors Field. I am a huge Coors Latte fan, big Coors Banquet fan too, so it was kind of like a pilgrimage for me. Got to see a game there, and not only did I get to just see a game there, got to see them play the Padres, got to see Fernando Tatis play. Great player to see in person. Got to see Rockies go up 5-2, to two, and then the Padres come back. Three-run home run, tie it in the ninth. And then the Rockies walk it off on an absolute bomb in the bottom of the ninth. So very cool moment for me, but we're back. 
travel schedules are going to pick up again, maybe with all with all three or all four of us possibly involved coming here in the next couple weeks, but that's pretty much what's been going on personally for us. We will have some big news. We're not ready to release it just yet this week, but it was pretty much finalized the day that we're recording this, August 19th. So hopefully by next week, everything will be in place to release the new sponsor name and get you all a promo code going for that. It's all been submitted. We're just waiting for it to be set up. So we're we're continuing to grow, guys. It's going... We're progressing just a little bit every few weeks. It took a while. It took about 30 weeks to get this done. 30 shows that we actually published, but we're we're getting there. Slow and steady wins the race, right? Yeah, people are... People are finally realizing uh, the value in this show. But let's get into it, finally. Today's show mostly going to be about the NFL uh, quarterback battles going on. I think we have about eight of them that we want to talk about. We'll get into more college football next week with a big college football preview show, but we'll focus mostly on uh, NFL today. But before we get into that, let's just do a little bit of college and we will talk about the AP poll that was released. And Auburn Matt, in his uh, return, definitely wanted to talk about the Scott Frost situation. And I have one thing to add on at the very end of college football. So let's talk about the AP poll, guys. Uh, I mean, no real surprise at the top. I really just wanted to say my one surprise here in the AP poll was that only one person put BYU in their top 25 after they ended the season at 11 last year and then whooped up on UCF in their bowl game, to have only one person, one AP voter, put you into your top 25, what's going on with that? Well, I think the only th- you know, the only thing that I can think of is their quarterback battle right now. I mean, I obviously, think they've got- obviously you lose Zach Wilson. Yeah, but I think they've got three guys, which if you have three quarterbacks battling, you ain't got none. Um, that's the only thing I could think of, but it goes to show why the hell does anyone care about this preseason ranking with the AP? It is completely meaningless until you see a couple weeks of football. Um, and that's not because Auburn's left out right now. Uh, heck half the years that we do better are the years when we're supposed to not do anything. Um, but it, it, it just goes to show that people have no clue. They're throwing darts at a wall. I'm sorry. I think, Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin being 12 is kind of weird. I mean, they don't really – it's like their whole their whole like football program is them like doing all right and then just getting curb stomped by like Ohio State. And then, uh, I don't know, Miami at 14 seems a little inflated too. They don't – they're like they're like in – if you look at the ACC, them and North Carolina are like in the, I guess, the shallow end. But then once they go to the deep end, they get crushed by Clemson. Like they can't – they're in the they're in the shallow and they're walking around, but once they go to the deep end, hang out with Clemson, they just get curb stomped too. So it's kind of like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that one's a little inflated too. Same with the USC; they just like they like essentially fucked around last year and almost won the conference. That's how bad the Pac-12 is. I'm I don't gonna, know. It's just a little interesting, I think. I'm gonna go out there on a limb, Bo, and say that Notre Dame's a little overranked at nine. Can't have a show without saying that. Hey, they're, uh, what, seven in the coaches, right? They're under-ranked in the AP. I, I don't know <laughs> about that bonsai. Yeah. I mean, I look, the only take I 
first of all, I'm a total homer, so I just love seeing Ole Miss be what they're like 27 in the AP essentially. Yeah, if you count the receiving votes. 106 votes. Yeah, Auburn at 32. Um, 32 votes. But the only real take here is like I completely agree with you, Alex. Uh, over the last 10 years, only. 62% of teams ranked in the preseason top 25 were still in the top 25 at the end of the year. So that means 40% of the final top 25 is not ranked right now. Like it doesn't, none of it means anything. It's fun to talk about and it's fun that college football is coming back and that's what getting excited about. But that's the only thing to get excited about. Yeah, it's really just something to talk about for two to three weeks before the season for people to complain about. That's really what it well, is. Well, that and hype up the early week games. Like, you know, it get, oh, this is a number one versus number six matchup in a neutral site. Like, you don't know where the hell those teams are going to end up. It's just, you know, let's try to drive ratings as early as we can. It's all a scam. We'll talk about it next week, but week yeah, one actually man. does have some pretty good matchups, some at least entertaining ones, what should be in week one. I guess big name games would be a better way to put it. We haven't seen how these guys have played, as you've mentioned. But very much looking forward to that. I did want to put just a little attachment on to the end of this whole college football thing that we were going to talk about. And that is, I want to congratulate the University of Georgia on not having the most players arrested this year in the weeks leading up to the season. Now, there is still time. Let's not... Let's not count them out of the race just yet. But six Kentucky players were arrested today for an incident that happened in March uh, involving wanton endangerment, first degree, and I think they stole something. Yep, and burglary. And so just want to give credit to offensive lineman R.J. Adams, running back Jaton McLean, defensive back Andrew Phillips, wide receiver Ernest goes to jail, Sanders the fourth, safety Vito Tisdale, and defensive back Joel Williams were each charged. And that is not very good for Mark Stoops. So it's going to it's gonna be hard for Georgia to overcome a six arrest deficit with only two weeks until the season starts, Alex. I believe in them though. You know, this is one that Georgia the chips are down. You know, you are, you've always been just a little bit away from that championship. Go out and seize this one. Just retain your spot atop the mountain of being a scumbag. I thought Florida had the most arrests, like, until recent times. I guess Georgia overtook them. But it wasn't like Florida under Urban Meyer, like, super, super bad for arrests. Maybe, or maybe I'm just living in the twilight zone. Oh, yeah, no, they, they were, were really bad. bad. But you knew that Spurrier, I mean, this all comes from... Spurrier making fun of Georgia for years. You know, you knew Spurrier wasn't going to talk bad about UF. He would talk bad about Georgia, no matter who he was coaching. Georgia and Tennessee. So when was when was Miami really bad? That was like um, until the nineties. They were like super bad, known as like Thug U and everything. Yeah, the eighties or eighties, nineties. Yeah. If it makes you feel better, a former Miami football player was arrested for murdering someone today. In no, he murdered his teammate. Yeah, he murdered a Brian teammate Tata. in 2006. Yeah. Was arrested today. Good. So, so it's still not good at Miami. Didn't good at Florida either. But for now, 
Georgia is not in the lead. That's all I had for college football, everybody. Anyone else have anything they want to say? I was just trying to see if you got what you guys thought about Scott Frost uh, in Nebraska getting under investigation for um, like just violations uh, for that. I think it's something to do with analysts. I don't know if it's that serious, but then I don't know. It's, it, it seems like it's kind of it's like they suck. And yet they're cheating, and, and they, they still suck, right? It's kind of like a Tennessee 2.0 thing, at least from my point of view. It's like they're trying everything they can to be relevant, and then just everything backfires. People gave them respect a little bit coming into last year with the whole, is the Big Ten going to play? The Big Ten's only going to play conference games. We're going to leave the Big Ten. Nebraska made like such a big deal, and it made Nebraska relevant for like a week, week and a half and then they go back to being nothing. Nebraska in the Big Ten was the worst move, and they're just completely irrelevant. They need to be back in the Big 12 to make any type of noise, and now they're just grasping at straws, whatever they can do. Uh, This is definitely not a good look. I mean, they definitely didn't want people to know that they were using an an appropriate amount of consultants and everything like that, analysts, but somehow they got caught, so they're going to have to deal with it. I bet they get off Scott, pun intended, free. Yeah, I mean, I don't even see them losing scholarships or anything over this. Uh, what, they were practicing incorrectly as well. And, you know, due to COVID restrictions, they were violating those. They were just dumb enough to get caught. Everybody was doing it. This is not a story. It's The, the only story is that they were dumb. Are there enough people in Nebraska to break a COVID violation? Like, however many people in a closed space? That's a good question. Probably up. not in Wyoming, but maybe in maybe in Nebraska. Well, I know Wyoming. I know Wyoming has half a million people. I think there's 1.9 million people in Nebraska. So I mean, it's not as bad as like, I mean, Omaha, Nebraska has like 475,000. So that's almost as much as like the entire state of Wyoming. So it's not that small, but it's smaller than like Alabama and Georgia, and I think it's probably about as big as Arkansas, right? That's got to be around there. Uh, how many does Mississippi have, Bo? That's a very Bo question. Uh, that, is a, that is a Bo question. Why is that a Bo question? <laughs> Your family is from Mississippi. It's about 3 million in Mississippi. Yeah. That 2.9 last, like, two years ago, so it's probably around, like, three, definitely around 3 million now. They had a, they had a couple babies. <laughs> Okay, we'll end it on this. Do you think Scott Frost makes it another two and a half years? I wanted to. I think three might be too long, so let's put the line at two and a half. Well, we could say his buyout's twenty million, and his contract goes till twenty twenty six. So, I mean, they haven't had a losing season rec- like I think it's like four in a row or something. They haven't had this since the fifties, so it doesn't look so good. I mean. I mean, at least from my point of view. Yeah, I don't know if they can afford it. So I would – but something – I, Rob, I'm with you. I think two and a half is a great line. I think three is too long. I don't think he makes it, and it's going to be hard for them to fire a Nebraska boy, but I, I'll i take the under. Under two and a half years. I'll give him the, I'll give him the two and a half just for, just for fun. Mark it down now. You're going to put it as a push? You're pushing it two and a half years? No, I'm going to say he goes the over. Oh, I'm going to give him that he lasts two and a half years. I would just like to say I absolutely love that his Wikipedia profile has 
him in 2017 listed as having won the national championship with UCF. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure. The uh, the Nebraska uniforms, though, that took over Twitter. <laughs> oh, the Cornhusker uniforms? Oh, those are, are kind of dope, though. It looked like a little red. <laughs> what are you? Are, no, you would have to be high. I'm being suspicious. I'm just kidding. Those, I'm like, those are terrible. Those are the worst <laughs> uniforms I've seen. That had to be a joke, that. though, right? They're not actually going to wear that. I, I think, think they're going to wear it. They're going to wear them against uh, Oklahoma. They are going to get wrecked. Yeah, those are horrible. <laughs> looks kind of like the big boy. It does. Yeah, look like little, the big little red looks like big boy, but I mean they have that other mascot too. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of strange. All right, let's talk about the NFL. We have about eight QB battles that we want to talk about this week. It is. Thursday night while we're recording this, August 19th. So let's go ahead and start with the game that will be going on uh, tonight, um, one of these battles. Uh, it will be New England, Cam Newton versus Mac Jones. Just want to say before we get into it, uh, from what I was seeing, just the yards per attempt. Mac Jones over seven last week in their first game. I think he had five series, and Cam had two or three and his... Uh, average attempt was 0.3 yards. Ooh, that's not good. That said, now the one thing that I'll say about this is any Patriots fan that's hoping that Mac Jones wins this job in camp is out of their damn mind. Mac Jones is undoubtedly going to be the guy who starts week one in 2022. But you can't put him in over Cam yet. Cam's on a one-year, set-yourself-up-for-your-next-job contract. So if he's healthy and they actually run an offense that is suited to Cam Newton, he'll be fine. And the Patriots are going to be in playoff contention. If Josh McDaniels does exactly what he did last year and is stubborn, it's going to go sideways. And they're going to have to put Mac Jones in. And, you know, best-case scenario, Cam balls out. They let him walk in free agency. They just toss – Mac Jones the keys after he redshirts this year, and you know it's no harm no foul. McCorkle gets his you know study time, and Cam gets a new contract somewhere else. To me and Bo, I'm going to ask you if you're setting the over under. If Cam Newton is healthy all year, I think that the Patriots are a borderline playoff team. I think if Mac Jones is a starter from game one, they're over under his four and a half wins. So let me like ask you a question back. Did you watch any Patriots games last year? Yes, I did. I mean, the guy threw eight touchdowns and 10 interceptions in 15 games last year. That's the Cam Newton we're talking about. Man, they weren't coaching for Cam. Well, that, (laughs) but also, you know, the COVID, the COVID thing really messed him up. Sure, sure. Look, but, you know, but I'm just so – Cam is not the same Cam anymore. Like, he's just not. He's not going to have one of those years. He's not going to have a 2015 type of year again. And I think for this franchise, especially in what is such a difficult division now with a Miami team that's really up and coming, with a Buffalo team that looks really good, 
and and with the Jets team that no is not very good right now is probably the worst in the is the worst in the division, but that you know has a couple young pieces that they're trying to put together. I think you have to turn the page here. I think you have to go to Mac Jones, and I mean you drafted him at 15 overall for a reason. Um, the guy the guy has talent. And the guy is exactly the type of quarterback that Billichek wants to use and likes to use. And, and there's certainly, there are probably some things Cam Newton can do, and there's going to be a lot of growing things. But if I'm being honest, I really don't see this New England team winning the division with Cam, at which point, why stick around with a guy who's aging, who I just don't ever see getting back to what he once was? When you have the ability to go to somebody new who's got the the pedigree, who who you think is going to be the future guy, so I, I guess I would just land in a very different place than you on this. If I fit personally, I think if we see Cam play at all, it'll be for a game or two at the start of the year, and we'll very quickly give way to Mac Jones. Just keep getting those reps, get the practice, and and just get to him. As we speak, the Patriots have gone up seven to nothing on the Philadelphia Eagles while attempting no passes. I do want to but, just go ahead, Bo. I was just gonna say that's the thing. Like Cam had more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns last year. Sufficiency. I just don't think that's the offense Belichick wants to run. Josh McDaniels won a playoff game with Tim Tebow at quarterback. Let's talk about that. He was able to craft an offense that went to the playoffs and won a game with him. A failed tight end quarterback. This wasn't on our list, but I do just want to mention really quick the Joe Flacco, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts with the slowest delivery of a starting quarterback in football. It looks like Joe, good point. It looks like Joe Flacco got the start in this game. Not sure how much that matters. It's not on our list, but. I just wanted to say that uh, Jalen Hurts is slow. Next, Look, it's a prove-it year. Next up, let's go out west to where I just came from, and we'll talk about Denver with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke did light up. I mean, he was. I think he completed five passes, and two of them were touchdowns last week. And Teddy Bridgewater is Teddy Bridgewater. He's going to give you what he's going to give you, you know, every time he steps out on the field. Do you think this is enough? For Drew Locke, I mean, this week will be the all-tell if Drew Locke keeps his job in Denver or is he replaced by Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater didn't have a bad first game. No. No, he didn't. But Drew Locke had the deep ball that looked really pretty. Um, To me, it's all about upside and high ceilings, and that's Drew Locke. But remember when Teddy Bridgewater was on top of the world I mean, if he had stayed healthy, those Vikings could have been Super Bowl contenders for a few years. But like you say, he's he's not that guy anymore it, it, through no fault of his own. But to me now, he's more of like uh, a Tyrod Taylor. Like, you know exactly what you're going to get out there when they come out. The thing that makes this a competition, and I think week one, it's all but set in stone that it's Drew Locke unless he completely poos the bed the next two, you know, this week um, is turnovers. If Drew Locke is not reading defenses effectively, if Drew Locke just struggles through week four and in that division, 
you can't get behind, I think they might go to the steadier hand, which seemingly is Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I'd agree with that analysis. Again, though, like I, I don't. I think this is a somewhat similar take to what we were just discussing with New England. You're talking about a division where Denver was last place last year. You're talking about a very difficult division again. Like you're trying to compete with Kansas City. You're trying to get you know two games a year against Kansas City and. Who who's going to get you there? Who's going to get you over that hump? They have a lot of weapons on this team. Cortland Sutton's coming back from, you know, he was her pretty much all last year, maybe all. He was year. all last yeah. year. But you've got, you know, you're returning um, some really good players, and you've got Judy now as well. Um, you know, the 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 receiving weapons are there. You've got two tight ends that I think are both really really good. But you need that extra little piece, right? I just don't see Teddy Bridgewater being the guy that's going to get you even to one-and-one against the Chiefs. So to me, I think you just have to roll the dice with the guy with the arm, the guy that can throw it 70 yards downfield. If one of those guys happens to get open all the way there, and and if he throws some picks along the way, I think you're just going to have to take those lumps, especially with the young team and a team that you hope can grow and at some point compete with the Chiefs. I don't think either of them is going to take them to one and one against the Chiefs. I'll say that. Probably not, but which one is more likely to do so? I can't tell which one Mango is rooting for. I, I can't either. Somebody came in the door and it's an absolute fucking shit show in here now. Who's the, who's the third string guy? He's, he's saying that we haven't given him enough love. In Denver. So bring Trevor Simeon back. Yeah. yeah, there you go. They should get Peter, man. Nathan Peter, man. Nathan Peter, man. Let's go. I don't know. Let's go to the Midway, a place where I will unfortunately be in a few weeks, a place that uh, Bo may be for quite a while in his life. Out to Chicago, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, and Justin Fields. Chicago played our Miami Dolphins this past week to open the preseason, beat the Miami Dolphins 20-13. to Justin Fields actually looked pretty good, um, made a few plays with his legs and his arm. Andy Dalton, of course, comes out in the middle of this week and says that uh, Justin Fields will definitely have his time, but now is his time, and Nick Foles kind of gets lost in the middle of that somewhere. I... I think Andy Dalton starts week one. I think that is locked in. I think Justin Fields will start by week six, and I think that's being a little conservative. I would say four or five if you know if I were really going to push it. And I think Nick Foles gets lost in the middle of it, and Nick Foles needs to get traded. Yeah, Nick Foles, let's be honest, Nick Foles is there to get traded. He is there to be that little dangling insurance policy for the Dallas Cowboys. That is all he is there for is for somebody to get hurt and then they deal them off and they dump the contract and they get something back in return. So he's out of the way. There are now two guys that actually are competing for a job. And I'll paint the analogy like this. Andy Dalton is like a middle-aged librarian, you know, frumpy sweater, sensible shoes, thick glasses, a little neurotic, 
but you know exactly what you're getting. You know they're going to show up and give you a solid eight hours of work. Then you've got Justin Fields. And Justin Fields is like the smoking hot librarian from the adult film industry. You know, somehow a wind machine pops up in the library and the hair's flying everywhere and the glasses get tossed on the desk. You know, you know they can do some phenomenal stuff physically, but you have no idea if they can actually read or if they'll show up. That's really this, that, that's the way this is. And I'd be surprised to see Justin Fields week one, but I don't think Dalton makes it to the team's week 10 bye based on the excitement we saw last week, rushing touchdown, passing touchdown. And also, in the court of public opinion, Andy Dalton, you know, in comedy, first thing, you know, first rule of comedy is know your audience, read the room. He did not read the room in that press conference when he's like, oh, yeah, love Justin. Wish the best. He's going to be great. But it's my time now. Like, your time will come. It's my time now. Dude, it ain't your time. Just because they say it's your time, you are no, the city of Chicago does not want you there at all. They want Justin Fields day one. I think it's smart to keep Justin Fields for a few weeks just on ice, but it's going to happen soon, a lot sooner than later. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you don't get that kind of analysis anywhere else. Hey, it's big J journalism. I. What, one thing I would like to learn from you, Alex, while we're while we're on this podcast, is how to do analogies the way you do them. It's it's unbelievable. I try I, to paint pictures with my words. I still think uh, what is it, College Station and the Texas A and M Aggies being the Branch Davidians of college football is probably one of the best analogies I've ever heard. <laughs> but that's true. Like a lot of people say that one. That's just true. Yeah, I mean. Like this Bears team is an eight and eight team last year. I don't even know if they're actually any better really this year. It's hard for me to see them being competitive this year. And so this is a case where I think it's all about how to field best develop. That's clearly the only conversation. But sort of just building on top of everything you said, Alex, and and just thinking about how to best develop his talent, you've got a couple of veterans on this squad and, and you know, Foles and Dalton. Letting letting him sit for a year, I don't think is the worst thing. Get him some snaps towards the end of the season. I can agree with that. Uh, I know I know a lot of Bears fans, I know they're so eager to see him on the field and I think he's looked generally good from what I've seen like what I've been hearing so far and, and people are excited about him for a reason but I couldn't agree more it's probably for the best to let him sit let him develop give him time they didn't have a lot of draft capital this year and so there's just not the pieces there yet they're one or two years away make sure when you get to that one or two years he's ready to just step up and you haven't And if you want to talk about the adult entertainment industry, let's head out west to San Francisco, where we get Jimmy Porn Star Garoppolo going up against Trey Lance. Trey Lance made a lot of news last week. What was it? His first pass went for a touchdown, all the excitement. Uh, I'm still 
a little bit of a Jimmy G guy. I think Jimmy G starts the year. Jimmy G's, you know, had his issues. He's had injury issues in the past. I think Jimmy G is going to get traded quite soon. I don't know. I, I think it's actually a pretty massive contract. I don't know actually who would take him. He hopes that he gets traded, but he'll, he'll probably just get benched behind Trey Lance pretty soon. My thought. Yeah, it's like a $26 million, $26.5 million or something this year on Jimmy G. San Francisco. So, first off, they released Josh Rosen, the Rosen one. Uh, he's done forever, right? Like, this was probably last chance you. Canada. I, yeah, he could do Canada. That's a good point. Whenever Canada starts back up or the Rocks XFL. But to the real topic, you know, this is eerily similar to the New England situation. The longer you can have Trey Lance on the bench, the better off, you know, the Niners are. However, you know, that bomb looked great. For me, it was particularly exciting because he's my quarterback of the future on my fantasy team. The talent's definitely there, but it's raw. I mean, the rest of his game showed that. I think he only went like four or five completions and almost all of it was on that 80, on that 80 yard touchdown. I'm 95% sure that Garoppolo starts and should and will be the starter, especially week one. And I want, I think they want to keep that the case as long as possible also to build up his trade value because they've got to get something in return. But I think this one gets taken out of the hands of the coaching staff at some point this year because Jimmy G gets hurt. You know, it's the knock on him. It's that he's, you know, breakable. And once you go to Trey Lance, it's over. You're not benching him to go back to Jimmy G. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with that again. Uh, the like the projected win totals I'm seeing for the 49ers are hovering in that 10-11 win range, um, depending on who you're reading or how they're looking at it. If you're trying to win 10 or 11 games, who's the guy to do that this year? I think Jimmy G still, like, he's... I I still think he's a talented player, and I think he's got that, uh, clearly that that veteran presence. and, And Trey Lance has done some really cool stuff, but is he... Is he ready to win 11 games in no. the NFL? No, he's not. Garoppolo is. I mean, he's proven it. He's gotten to a Super Bowl. Right. Precisely. I mean, Garoppolo is mega talented. Like, Trey Lance is a great player. He's going to be a great player. I don't think we see him on the field this year. I think we do. I, I in Aside from just the injury thing, uh, look at his numbers from two years ago at North Dakota State. It was, what, 27, 26, 27, 28 touchdowns, zero picks. Um, now he had a bit of a dud one single game last year. But that those kinds of results, that's saying something. He's also going to run the ball for seven, 800 yards a year. You don't spend – third overall pick draft capital on a guy that you're not going to play that year. He's going to see the field. Watch for Jimmy G to be the first guy traded when a marquee quarterback goes down. I'd like to see it. I like Jimmy G. I want to see him play somewhere else. Um, I like it too. Big, big yeah, hopes I mean, when he originally got out there. Like, he still can ball. 
Yep, 100%. Let's go east and then go down the Mississippi River to the Big Easy and check in on what a mess the New Orleans Saints are, unfortunately, to some of us here um, on the podcast. It was a rough week one for the Saints facing the Tyler Huntley and Trace McSorley-led Baltimore Ravens as Ian Book, well, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, and Ian Book all threw interceptions, and New Orleans' top three running backs, the only three people who carried the ball, also had three fumbles. So six turnovers there. They did recover one fumble in the game, but... That was a rough showing for the New Orleans Saints. They lost 17-14, to 14, again, not really caring about scores. But if you have six turnovers, or 5-1 and one recovered or whatever, that is, that is not good at any point, at any point in the preseason, even as that. Jameis, 7-for-12 with a touchdown. He was the only quarterback uh, for the Saints to throw a touchdown. Uh, he also was sacked. Each quarterback was sacked uh, once. I don't see there's going to be any way that it's not Jameis. I mean, it's not going to be Taysom Hill. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think you're right. Obviously, by far, this is the competition with the most on the line. Uh, The Saints have maybe, and it's a big maybe, one more shot of the title run before this thing explodes. And, you know, considering Michael Thomas's status is up in the air, you know, they may not even get the one shot, but this should be the most riveting competition out there. And it's one of the most boring because neither guy is going out of his way. It, it just, nobody's snatching this opportunity. You've got the chance to take the reins of an offense. That's been one of the most explosive over the last 15 plus years. And neither one of you is separating, but Rob, to your point, I, why it's got to be Jameis is it's got to be Jameis with Taysom Hill packages. Because if you start, they're, they're too different. Like your starter and your backup should at least be relatively similar. They are so polar opposite of each other. You basically would have to have two separate playbooks for if Taysom Hill is a full-time starter and you've got Jameis as a backup. But if you just implement some, you know, minor scheme things, maybe 10, 15 snaps a game for Taysom Hill, you're not reinventing the wheel, Agreed. You know, so to speak. And that's what I think that it was always going to be. I I just don't even know why we're having this conversation. It's going to be Jameis Winston. Yeah, but it's it's Sean Payton's love child. It's, is It's more it's not going to be Taysom Hill than Jameis Winston is winning this job. Yeah. I, well, I would agree with that. Let, let's play. Let's play this way though. What, court, which quarterback has the high highest cap number on the Saints this year? Taysom Hill. It was a trick question. It's Drew Brees. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Drew Brees has the highest cap number of any quarterback on the team this year. I mean this this team is like they're keeping it together with just. Band-Aids and, like... Uh, yeah, it's like Bondo and safety pins. You know, somebody's MacGyvering together this... It's not this even as good as, like, like... It's not even as good as, like, Flex Seal, where they say you could, like, patch up holes in boats. 
this boat is already too far gone. They're in cap hell, and they're not going to win a lot of games this year, and they pissed off Michael Thomas. It's not going to go well. They still have to deal with the Bucks. The Bucks are going to win, and then I don't think the Saints even come out in the wild card. I don't think the Saints are a playoff team this year, unfortunately. I think I think they lose to Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. This year. Now, I don't know about that, but I could definitely see three teams conceivably coming out of the West. If you don't win the South, you probably are not going to get in. The North is good. Dallas, if they can put something together, is a maybe. You know, you really don't know what Atlanta is going to look like. Uh, yeah, there there are too many ifs in the NFC to have this kind of dysfunction early. I'm I'm not high on the Saints, and that that hurts. All right, yeah. Let's try to move this along here. I think this is the last really interesting one down in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence versus Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, one of the funniest quarterbacks in the league, or I think he might be the funniest quarterback in the league, versus Trevor Lawrence, all the big news about Trevor Lawrence. Now uh, Tim Tebow has been cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars, so they have nothing to talk about other than Trevor Lawrence now. They kind of distracted from it for just a little bit, or at least split the focus. Uh, I love Gardner Minshew. I don't like Trevor Lawrence, just purely out of Clemson spite. Out of any of these battles that we've talked about, I think Trevor Lawrence has the best shot of actually starting week one. I think he will. The week one starter should absolutely be Gardner Minshew, but there is almost a 0% chance that he is. And once you start Trevor Lawrence, you can't go back to Gardner Minshew. You've driven the car off the lot, and at that point, it is yours. You are stuck with it. And there's no doubt that Urban Meyer and Shad Khan (laughs) want everybody to see the shiny new toy and buy jerseys and tickets. But, Bo, I'll ask you this, and Matt, you chime in because you've seen this too. Now, if Trevor Lawrence starts seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold did, you know, what if that happens? You can't bench him a few weeks in and say he needs some more time to develop and watch film because you're crippling his confidence. And you look like an absolute moron in the process. So I get the business aspect of it. But if you're thinking about the kid's actual development and you're thinking about competing effectively in football games, it's got to be Gardner Minshew. I think I read something that said uh, the reason Urban Meyer, I guess, got um, Tim Tebow on there was to take away some of the pressure on T-Law. I feel like that's probably pretty accurate. I don't know if that's a cons- that's like a rumor, but I mean it makes sense to you know take some of the pressure because we haven't really heard much about Trevor Lawrence really compared to Tim Tebow when it comes to the Jaguars. Even though Tebow was fighting for fourth string and lost, I mean, I feel like I feel like he would do pretty okay. I don't know. I mean, it, it, you never know though. Like I think uh, Joe Burrow did pretty well his first year, and then. Other people like Tua didn't do that well at all either. So I mean, it just depends for a rookie quarterback, right? Yeah, I mean, I I personally like. I think when you're talking about the number one overall pick, you're talking about a one win team. I think you just have to move on to the next guy, to the new guy. Uh, especially when you're talking about somebody, you cannot get higher expectations than what we have for Trevor Lawrence, and he's gonna have to deal with that at some point. I think just throw him in there and 
you know, I hopefully he's ready for it. At the end of the day, though, like, look, look at their schedule. They open the year against the Texans, then they get to host the Broncos, then they play the Cardinals, and then they go to Cincinnati. I don't hate that schedule for him for, you know, at first four NFL games. Um, you're talking about you're talking about a team that was very bad last year, and you know at least those four, first four games though for him, those are all 500 and sub 500 teams. We're we're not talking about the the creme de la creme. So get him in there for that. Get him going because after that they play the Titans, they play the Dolphins, they play the Seahawks, the Bills. You don't want him getting his first NFL snaps against those teams. You want it against, you know, a four-win team from last year, like Houston or Cincinnati. And so if you don't get him in there, it's either coming against one of those good squads or you're waiting till week nine. So I think just throw him in there, let him let him do his thing. The Bengals sat Carson Palmer behind, what was it, John Kitna for an entire year. It's happened before. But I, I do I do understand your point. <laughs> Look, it, it happened that was a before, different time. The NFL changed. Yeah, that was definitely NFL a different changed. time. It was a better time, simpler time. <laughs> it's it's a different league, and you know, it, it at the end of the day, he's got. Here's the thing: first overall pick, guy with such sky high expectations, he's either going to look at this as you know, I have job security. Even if he's bad this year, like he's going to be the starter next year too. Well, Peyton went three and thirteen his first year. Right, right. And so, and so, he seems like somebody who has that that ability, that mental toughness. But a little bit, you want to test that mental toughness too. Can he go through the growing pains? And if you want him to be the guy who's saving this franchise, then go let him go through those. Let him go through it with you as the team goes through those growing pains. I think you have to just throw him in there. I just don't want to. If I'm the Jaguars, I don't want to, you know, test that toughness behind that offensive line. Mm. Now that's you know that's a good argument, I think. And look, I took the opposite view with Justin Fields five minutes ago, but. This is a special kid. Just see how special he really is. So I don't want to. I don't want to live. You know, call call this game, but you know, quarterback battle that we were just talking about at when we started this segment. How about Cam Newton starting this game? Eight of nine for a hundred and three yards and a touchdown. He was seven for eight for seventy five, and then he uh, hit a twenty eight yard pass. Uh, for the touchdown, so strong start. Maybe uh, that'll solidify a little Cam Newton starting in week one. We are getting towards the end of this, and I think this, I will say, is the saddest quarterback battle. Out in Indianapolis, Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, who was reportedly taking first-team snaps. I haven't read a whole lot into this. And then, of course, Carson Wentz out. I want to see Jacob Eason start. I really just don't know enough about this one or what Sam Ellinger has been doing in practice, so I'll leave this one to y'all. 
I personally, just from a fan perspective, want to see it be Jacob Eason. You know, and the Colts are saying all the right things that Carson Wentz is the undisputed starter when he's healthy. He should be. He is. Uh, the problem is he's never really healthy. So if you're looking at who's going to be the backup for the remainder of the season, who's going to be, you know, possibly the early season starter, depending on Carson's recovery, I would lean toward Eason right now, but that's purely based on arm talent. That's not based on athleticism because I think overall in the grand scheme of things, Ellinger gives you a different dimension. He, he can escape better. Uh, he's a much better athlete than Eason is, but it's really a choice between guys who haven't done anything yet. And you go with a guy behind that offensive line that can sit in the pocket and just rifle the ball downfield. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that there's that much to talk about here. I think if you're Indianapolis, if you're dealing with Eason or Ellinger, like, I think you're just upset. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's just, <laughs> this is I, just depression. Yeah. Let them switch every drive. Like, it's going to be a problem. Uh, and, and Carson Wentz <laughs> are paying $20 million. So, whenever, it, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be in the game. All right. I think we've covered that enough. This one, yep. this next one, I really don't even think there's a point to talk about. Big Ben versus Dwayne Haskins. It's going to be Big Ben. They're not, well, bringing, yeah, no. they're not bringing him back at 39 years old. He's going to play in the second preseason game. Did not play in the first. Uh, he's skinnier. He's still fat ass. But it's going to be it's going to be Big Ben. And as long as Big Ben yeah. stays healthy, I don't think they're benching him at any point this season. The Pittsburgh Steelers are inevitably going to be the third best team in the AFC North. They're going to be above Cincinnati, unfortunately, but they're not going to be as good as Cleveland or Baltimore. No, that's completely fair, and it's an accurate assessment. And this isn't, to me, a QB battle in the traditional sense. Uh, perhaps it's you know this existential quandary full of loathing and self-doubt for the Steelers organization. Uh, Ben's been the guy forever. He's going to be the guy this year. And they want him to go out on his own terms, in his own way, do right by him. But at some point, there needs to be an exit strategy. Enter Dwayne Haskins. So considering they got this guy who's two two years removed from being a first-round pick uh, for absolutely nothing, they can spend money elsewhere. They've lucked out. This might be the goose that laid the golden egg. The problem is figuring out if Dwayne Haskins is a dude who can be a professional athlete and wants to be a professional athlete. So to me, this is if Big Ben's arm starts falling off again and Haskins goes in and Haskins does well, it never goes back to Ben. He gets Wally pipped. This is over. They're not going to do what Denver did with Pate. And then they've got, they don't have to you know, draft a quarterback in the first round next year because otherwise they absolutely need to draft a first or a second round quarterback next year. So that's why this is, you know, the quarterback room is worth talking about. Yeah. I mean, the, the real battle here is, is Haskins and Rudolph, right? Yeah. But I don't think that's, I makes Rudolph got beaten in the head with his own helmet. That's a bad look. <laughs> I mean, look, it's, we're, we're not talking about guys that like have established themselves as premier NFL players, but they're both young Rudolphs. 
get, I guess for the NFL, it's starting to get older, but he's still 26. Haskins is 24. Um, has obviously the, the draft capital, but now, you know, is very cheap, except for like all the things you just said. I, I think that's the interesting thing, but I would totally agree with the rest of it. Um, whoever, that's a big, big battle because as you said, whoever can win that backup battle has kind of the the inside lane to getting that starting job, assuming Pittsburgh doesn't try to draft some new quarterback next year or something like that. But depending on how the year goes, that may not even be the easiest thing to do. So I wonder what Charlie Batch is doing nowadays. Bring him back. Yeah. Cordell Stewart gets slashed. All right. Last one here. I think this one is incredibly uninteresting as well. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic versus Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke. Do like Taylor Heineke, the pride of Old Dominion. Uh, not a huge Kyle Allen fan. He went to A and M, right? Yeah, yeah, he was he, he was at A and M. So not a Kyle Allen fan. Uh, Kyle Allen coming off of injury. Uh, Heineke hasn't really locked it up uh, as of now. I think Fitzmagic is going to be the starter week one. Well, he's absolutely going to be the starter week one, but you know. There will come a time this year when Fitzpatrick implodes. Like the changing of the seasons, it's simply inevitable. So the real question is, Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen finishing out the year as a starter? Because I think they actually will carry three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster, which is you know, very rare. Uh, but Ron Rivera has to find out if either one of these guys is worth keeping around or if he needs to draft a QB early next year. Uh, because this is a team with that defense and Chase Young. You're in win-now mode. You've got to put something on the on the field because the rest of your division sucks donkey ass. So go out and win it. Get a home playoff game. See where you can go. You might surprise a team or two. But you need to have a quarterback who can do it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they were the fourth best scoring defense in the NFL last year. Um, second best in the NFC. Like they, they absolutely have talent on this team, and and talent has now won a division title, and so has played some playoff football and and seen the difference. And they just need they need they they need to like trade for uh, Gardner Minshew, right? Or Nick Foles, right? Yeah, or even better, Marcus Mariota. Although I would much rather, as we talked about a few weeks ago, out of the three of those, I'm taking Minshew over the other two. Oh yeah. All right. Are they are they still going by WFT this year? Are they uh, are they ever going to rebrand? Are they just kind of? Yeah, they've come down to their final eight names. They should do, and they and they rock logos too. They should alternate oh, wow. one for each home game and see which one plays. It, the Red Wolves definitely would play the best. Well, I guess they have one They're, extra game now. I don't know how that works. Everybody plays a neutral site. No, you. If you get nine home games, you let each get one play one, year. and then you, uh, and then you announce, uh, you announce the name in the last one. Yeah. All right. I like that. I think we've talked quite enough about some QB battles. Some of them, I feel, are quite irrelevant. 
All right, so we're going to start passing around the ad reads this week. So up to take the Tales from the Tailgate literacy test for our sponsor this week is Alex. Alex, you are, uh, you're the second man up. I did it for, I think, three weeks. And uh, I think uh, I, I stumbled through parts, but, but you know I got through. Yeah, you did. And I sincerely appreciate that, as do we all. And, you know, Rob, you know who I really appreciate through all of this? Who, Alex? Blockfills. Blockfills, founded in 2018, is a disruptive technology firm dedicated to the provision of bespoke end-to-end solutions to participants in the cryptocurrency market the world over. The company has successfully built and deployed a cutting-edge, multi-asset technology platform that provides price discovery, electronic order matching, smart order routing, and trade reconciliation solutions for institutions in the digital spot derivatives, and lending markets. And you know what? They do over $10 billion in trade volume, Rob. Do you know that? I did not. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely insane the kind of volume that they're doing and the edges that they have against the competition. They've got 24-7 continuous two-sided streaming liquidity. No buy-or-sell limits. No last look. And the participants receive best prices across book most competitive global spreads and a fee structure block fills i just ended there awesome solution block fills. Yeah. Uh, i mean these guys are in the stratosphere way over my head i'm just asking everyone out there to put the same trust in block fills as block fills puts in us to read that ad every week Last segment of the day here, and it actually kind of runs in with our dumb question of the week. And just to say this uh, at the start of this, it is illegal to place a bet on the Little League World Series at any legal U.S.-based sports book. But here at Tales from the Tailgate, we do not discriminate by age, and we can bet on whatever we want in this. And so Alex thought it would be a good idea if we took a shot at predicting the Little League World Series. And so we've got the we've got the towns up here, we've got uh, the states they're from, and we've got the Little League World Series bracket. Again, there are no Air National teams this year due to COVID. Uh, Little League World Series did not even happen this year. Uh, so 16 uh, U.S.-based teams split between the Hank Aaron and Tom Seaver brackets, and it is eight teams double elimination, and the final will be on August 29th. It started night we're recording, August 19th. Let's get right into it. Alex, who is your pick? Well, I mean, this was your idea, so go as in-depth, or if you want to pick a game or whatever you want to do, you lead us on uh, what we're picking here go off of where are the kids from um, I know it's kind of stupid but it's also like oh you know at a horse race who's the jockey like I know nothing about these horses but I know the jockey and I know how they do on this track so to me I'm looking at the hometown team for us uh, Palm City Florida uh, runners up in the southeast region who they're from what about an hour and 40 minutes from us? Maybe so it's hard to root against them. Hotbeds of talent, though. 
Lafayette, Louisiana, and Abilene, Texas, two huge hotbeds of baseball talent in the South. Um, but then you have a classic power like Tom's River, New Jersey, who's won multiple times. And apparently the team from Michigan is a super team that they combined leagues you know, to make one team that could make a run at Williamsport. I have no idea. I've watched like six innings total of all of this. So I'm going to say I'm sticking with my Southern trifecta. Let's do a trifecta box. It happens in one of these uh, ways. I'll take Lafayette to win it, Palm City, and then Abilene and Palm City have to face each other. They're in the same bracket. So I'll take uh, Tom's River. No, I'm going to take the Michigan Super Team as three. Michigan Super Team is so. So you're picking the Michigan Super Team to win? No, I'm taking I'm taking Lafayette, Louisiana to win. Okay, give me Lafayette to win because the Southwest, whoever gets through Texas and Louisiana, is always in the semifinals of. U.S. finals. Southeast is typically there unless you get, you know, Tom's River to pop on somebody. That, that's Southwest A, right? They, like, won the Southwest. I'm taking Southwest A. I think Southwest B might actually get out of uh, the other bracket, too, though. I would just like to throw out, I absolutely love that the, the – like to follow this, if you're not watching it live, the box scores are all done via game changer. Um, I absolutely love that. So it's exactly the way like little leagues are scored across the country during the regular season. For me, I got to go with Honolulu here. Win the West. The West is, you know, you uh, you pointed out that, that the Southeast always very strong, but I'm thinking. I'm thinking the West is often very strong. California has the most <clears throat> championships of any uh, any state, any U.S. state. The boys from Honolulu ready to play. They've got a pitcher, one of their star pitchers. His dad played in the Little League World Series 30 years ago, and here he is once again with his son playing. So give me West A, Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm gonna go. Uh, Tennessee's already lost. I haven't heard either of you mention them. Uh, you know, I want to take Lafayette just based on you know the baseball talent that Louisiana produces year in and year out. It's not going to be Palm City, Florida, uh, and I think they're actually. I live in Palm Beach County. I think Martin County is actually the one just right above me. Yeah, it is. I'm going to go against them, it's not going to be Florida. It never is, as much as we want it to be. Um, hey, we had Danny Elmoni. I think New Jersey, haven't, did they already lose? Yeah, they lost to Nebraska. They lost to Nebraska, so they're in the loser's bracket. That would be tough to pull out of. I mean, it's just a safe pick to take uh, Tom's River. Uh, I always like rooting for the Dakota teams. So, yeah, one of them can usually make it, but it's not going to be Dakota. How do you know Sioux Falls might surprise you? Uh, and I, just, I don't want to just pick, you know, along with Alex, though. I've, I've actually seen Abilene play, so that's a plus. And, 
Give me Washington. Give me Washington out of the Northwest. So I love how you gave all that like kind of analysis, pseudo analysis, and then just picked a random team that you didn't talk at all about. I'm betting big on the <laughs> now that I realize it game eight tomorrow where Washington and Texas have to play each other. So it's going to be whoever comes Ooh. out, whoever comes out of that game. <laughs> all right, the final one, Auburn Matt. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Florida. I'm gonna say they win the whole thing. Bold pick, incorrect pick, but I hope you're right. Very bit rapid pick. I appreciate that. Yeah. Boom. All right. There it's we go. confident. Well, I mean, what is it? I I barely watched any NFL, and I got the two teams playing in the Super Bowl, right, and the winner, right. So we'll see what happens. I usually have pretty good luck with sports I barely watch, and then the sports I do watch, like. UFC and college football, it's like, damn, I'm hitting like well under 40%. (laughs) All right, well, I like that that strategy. So we have have me taking, I'll take Texas out of the Texas-Washington matchup. Alex, you took Lafayette. Auburn Matt's taking Florida. And Bo, who are you taking? You're taking California, right? Oh, Hawaii, I'm sorry. Honolulu. Hawaii. I think it. Go ahead. Hawaii, Florida, Texas, and Louisiana. We have four. Wait, di- we have four different teams. Out of- no, I said it's going to be the winner <laughs> of uh, the Washington Texas game. What? I took so just like Alex. I said three teams, and the last one I just kind of threw out there and was like Washington. I said, "Give me Washington," but. Uh, the winner of that game, I think it's going to be Texas. I'm taking Texas. Alex took Louisiana. Auburn Matt took Florida, and you took Hawaii. We have four different teams out of the 16. I bet you none of us will be right. Yeah, that just basically guaranteed that Connecticut is going to win this. Out of the loser's bracket. Yeah, like it's just going to be insane who wins this. I like the Texas pick a lot better than the Washington pick, Rob. The, I think it's worth noting for the listeners, this is the first pick that we're tracking going forward. Oh, God. Show, we track picks Excellent. because I want to prove at the end of the year that I make better picks than Alex. All right. As, huh. as long as you're the one keeping track of the spreadsheet, I'm all for it. I think that was our plan during the middle of last year when we said we have to start tracking picks. It was. We just procrastinated about a year on it. Yeah, but now you know, Bo's getting a little more of that lawyer in it. <clears throat> you know, he's up and more prepared. He, he's on the ball. We're on it. So tracking. Looking, looking forward to tracking the picks. I bet we'll get into some really, really random picks. Uh, just to get out there and skew uh, and skew that record in favor of someone, we we can play favorites here. We can tilt we can tilt the record direction if we need to to make it more interesting. But yep, I think that's about it. We've gone over time here. Uh, go watch the Little League World Series, NFL preseason going on now. Full weekend of that. College football inching closer. MLB coming down the stretch for the playoffs. And we will go ahead and see you in week three of the preseason.